Thank you. So, Adam, you can play the first, well, no, the only song, actually. Just a little, little intro. You okay to do that, Adam? So, anyone recognise that? Mission Impossible. So it's the JTQ version, which I think is the far superior version. Anyway, Mission Impossible. And um, why am I playing that? Well, because actually, I don't know if you realise it, we're all on a mission together. And um, the good news, well, actually, the truth is, it is an impossible mission. It is actually an impossible mission. I don't know if you've read it in the Bible. It's impossible to reach all the nations. Should we read some of the verses about the mission that we've been given? In Mark 16, 15, it says this, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In Matthew 28, 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, they've come up with this mission for us. And the good news is, it's... um, He's decided in his wisdom that he's going to use you and me to fulfill this mission. So it is actually a mission impossible. But the great news is he's not left us alone. Because I think if he did leave it to us, I'm, I'm not being funny, looking at you, to reach the nations, it's a bit of an mission impossible, isn't it? But, uh, but it's, it's actually a thrilling mission that he's called us to. It's not a vague mission. I'm sure you're very familiar with some of these words in the Bible. It's a very specific mission with a beginning and an end. It's not a vague mission just out there. This is a mission for you individually that he calls you into. So if you haven't, I know in the Mission Impossible that the tape explodes after, you get an opportunity to read this mission again and again. So... I've read a couple of verses. In Matthew 24, 14, it says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. But this morning, we're going to continue our series in Acts. And uh, it talks about our mission in there as well. And uh, the verses in Acts, which I'm sure you're familiar with, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So why are we going through this book of Acts? We're going through it because they kind of we're given this mission, and we can see how the early church grew at a phenomenal rate through these ordinary Christians. So I think we can learn something from them, because I feel sometimes a little bit ordinary, but I think they understood something about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in order to achieve this mission. So... 
I'd like to just remind you that this mission is for you individually. And I don't know if you remember, but a lot of those verses I read through, it said, go. Go into all the world. Go, therefore. And it's a sense that we are a people on a move. We're not a static people. We're a people on the move. And, um, but I'm going to look at some of the potential barriers that stop us moving. And I think we can pull out some different characters in Acts where this call to go, to get up and to go, we could look at some of their potential responses and some of the potential barriers that they would have faced when hearing this call to go. Now, the reason I want to do this is because I believe God doesn't just call us to go one-off. One He'll call you again tomorrow to go, to get up and go, and the day after to get up and go and to fulfill this mission together. And um, so I think it's actually helpful to realise and be aware of some of the barriers which might be preventing you from moving. Okay? So, in, um, I believe, basically, there's a, there's a verse in, um, let me just find the verse, in Isaiah 6, 8, where it says this, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I send me and I want us all to be in that same place where you're ready and available and so I've entitled this get up and go okay but actually I am addressing us as a church because I believe the mission is to the church but I'm also going to look at other characters who were far from God in fact they hated God and they hated God's people. So I'm going to look at one particular character so called Saul. And you actually may relate to him far more than any of the other Christians that respond to this call. You may be somewhere in between. You may not say you hate God, but you're pretty indifferent towards God. But actually I think there's something from this morning which you can take home and you can still respond to and get up and go also. Okay? So that's my message. Get up and go. We're going to look at five different characters in Acts. We'll look at Philip the Evangelist. I've given them labels. I don't really like labeling people. That's not just who he was, but bear with me for the purpose of this talk. Philip the Evangelist, Saul the Persecutor, Ananias the Regular Guy, the Joe Bloggs, Aeneas the Paralytic, and Dorcas the Corpse. He was much more than that, or she. So, um, okay. Let's have a look. Um, well, what's interesting about all these different people, they were all in some way or other asked to get up, to rise and to go. And uh, as I've said, this is the heart of the message to the church. We are not here just to be a holy huddle. Or as uh, Felix so delicately put last week, we're not be like a big pile of dung. Actually, dung is much more effective when it's spread out, isn't it? But, uh, and, uh, 
And so I will be kind of with this message of going. It's this message of God gathers us and he scatters us. And I think probably the church is very good at gathering. We like meeting together. It's comfortable. We know each other. And I just want to put the challenge out there to all of us. How are we doing at scattering? And a few weeks ago, Pradeep, when he was speaking, he mentioned that the early church had possibly become too comfortable and almost shut themselves in within Jerusalem. Now, I don't want you to mishear me. There is definitely a place for gathering and fellowship of the believers. I am convinced of that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here this morning. There's a perfect place for that. But it's not the whole story, is it? In Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Does it say that? No. It goes on. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Terry Virgo, who not many of you will know, but uh, he was the founder of our group, our sphere of churches. And he once said that if we don't respond to Acts 1 8, which is to go, God will give us Acts 8 1 which I'm sure you're all familiar with, so I read it to you anyway. It says this, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. It's sobering, isn't it? But as a result of them scattering, we read in, a, in, verse, in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So, as mentioned, the Father has a, a mission plan. And he's not actually going to change that mission. But he may need to change us to fulfill that mission. So, we're going to look at the barriers. Um, Let's look at uh, the first character, Philip the Evangelist. So, in verse 26 of chapter 8, it says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And the RSV says, Rise and go towards the south. And I know Felix preached on this last week. And I'm going to repeat some of those things because I think they're important to hear again. So Philip, he's one of the seven, do you remember one of the seven deacons? One of the guys that was basically called in to help on food bank to give away uh, food to the widows, the poor widows. He, he wasn't actually uh, the apostle. Don't mistake him for the apostle Philip. He was one of the uh, deacons, as mentioned, And um, after Stephen's execution, his friend, who was also one of the deacons, and the subsequent persecution of the church, Philip scattered and ran and fled to Samaria. 
and he continued to preach Christ. And this was also accompanied by demons fleeing and people being healed. And there was so much joy in the city at that time. So he was scattered. And then at the time when he was in Samaria, the Lord said to him, go south to the road, the desert road. Now, this was at a time when um, it was all going really well for Philip. And uh, it was kind of at the height of a bit of a mini revival. And it was an exciting time. And so in the midst of that, this message to go came. And so let's look at some of the barriers that he may have had. I guess one of the barriers may have been the fear of losing the current success that he was seeing in the city. He was in the middle of a mini revival and was riding kind of the high waves of uh, people responding to faith, people being healed, demons fleeing. And then it was interrupted by this call to go. So there may be a fear of losing current success. Is that true of you? Maybe you're enjoying a successful career. Maybe you've settled in a lovely neighborhood. You're content with your circle of friends. And you don't want it disrupted. And you're fearful that if you respond to the call of God in some way, then all this might get disrupted. And you're fearful of losing all that you've built up. It was another barrier. Actually, there is a, you can go through these verses, but there's also a little uh, slide with a gate on, which I've just visually, you can, there you go. I've just, another barrier is the inconvenience. This is probably pretty inconvenient. He'd settled in Samaria for a bit, and he was being asked to head towards um, Gaza, which is about 50 miles away. It's probably about a, I don't know, a week's walk on dusty desert roads. And Philip at the time was preaching to many and he was basically going out onto this desert road just to preach to one, the Ethiopian eunuch. Often when we get the prompt from God, it's actually inconvenient. I don't know if you've noticed that. Often when we get just a little nudge from God. It's inconvenient. There's always something else that we'll be doing. We'll always have a reason or excuse to put it aside and say later. A few years back we went through the walk across the room book. It's just a simple step of walking across the room. And when you can display an act of kindness or a smile or help someone or serve someone, but generally it's inconvenient to do that because you've got your own agenda and your own things to do that day. Maybe to walk across the supermarket, how can you consider disrupting your day to allow God in? Actually, the other day I was walking through... Um, Aldi car park and I saw a guy there and I could have just nipped in but I thought I'll go and talk to him and it 
turns out that he'd uh, hurt his knee and it's, he twisted it and he's had to lay down for two weeks and he was really scared about um, having an MRI scan. So there and then I just said, well, I'd love to pray for you. And I just prayed for his knee and now we get car park. I could have very easily thought, no, this is uh, interrupting what I'm doing. Okay, thirdly, not having the full picture. He was basically told to rise and go south on the desert road. That's not much detail, is it? I don't know about you. I, I like a bit more detail. I remember when I used to work in uh, marketing, I'd have a meeting set up weeks in advance. I'd be sent the agenda beforehand and the address and the room we we're going to go to. I'd punch in the address into the sat-nav and it would give me all the details from roads. It would tell me about any upcoming traffic issues. It would tell me about petrol stations. It would tell me estimated time of arrival. It gives you every detail, doesn't it? And um, he was just told just to go on the desert road. How are you at following and trusting God when you don't have the full picture ahead of you? When he calls you to go, to rise and go. There's that familiar verse in Hebrews 11 where it says, Abraham obeyed. He went out not knowing where he was going. I'd hope that'd be true of me and you, that you'd be so confident that even though you don't know, you know someone who does know. And he sees everything. He's all-knowing. And he will give you what you need to know when you need to know it. We all need to trust in his sovereignty and that he sees the whole story. Okay, past disappointment. Is this a barrier for you? Philip was chosen alongside Stephen and five others to help, as I said, in the food bank, the equivalent of the food bank. But... One of those seven was brutally killed. Stephen was stoned to death. I've read different reports of how they do this. They throw him over a cliff and throw boulders on him. It's horrible. Stephen would have been left devastated. I think disappointed is probably an understatement, isn't it? He would have been confused and devastated. Often things happen in our life and we don't understand why. We don't expect them or wish for them. But the enemy's plan is that these events will rob us of our faith in God, rob us of our joy and render us ineffective in the kingdom of God. And this could have been a reason for Philip to stop going forward and responding to this call. But Philip, full of the Holy Spirit, decides he's not going to let the enemy effectively kill him along with Stephen. But he's going to go and be obedient. So don't allow your disappointment to cause you to hide, to go under, to be angry at God, to doubt his love. Keep moving. Keep being full of the Spirit and trusting in his sovereign plan. 
Right, as a result of Philip actually keep moving, it says that in Acts there was much joy in the city. There was so much fruit from him going and being obedient. Healings, salvation, and uh, demons fleeing. Dealing with disappointment is so crucial to you moving. We need to learn the art of holding the revelation that we have and the mystery that we experience together. Holding each hand and moving forward. I think I shared something last week for Sam about holding the hands of suffering and rejoicing but keep moving together. We need to understand that there is still going to be sickness and pain and frustration on this life but that one day God will bring it all together and there will be healing for eternity. So, as a result of Philip not allowing these barriers to come down and prevent him going forward, he pushed against these barriers and they actually became like a gate and he opened them and it opened a way for him. And it opened an opportunity for the gospel to spread in the continent of Africa through him conversing with the Ethiopian eunuch who was actually an influential official. And uh, you can read the whole full exciting in Acts 8 yourself. So the second character is Ananias. So this isn't Ananias from Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, so she, he's not Sapphira's... Uh, husband, he, he came to an untimely demise when he lied to God. You can read about that in chapter 5. This is a dis- different Ananias. And in chapter 9, verse 10 and 11, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Rise and go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus, named Saul, for he is praying. So what might be some of the barriers to Ananias responding? I think one of them is fear. Saul's reputation would have gone before him. He would have been well aware of Saul. Saul was the one that kind of sanctioned and approved of Stephen's death. So basically, for him to go to this house and meet this guy Saul, he was handing himself in. Saul was collecting and going door to door, breathing murderous threats towards all believers. And so Ananias would probably have been fearful at the prospect of going to this house and meeting with this guy. For some here, fear is a big barrier. Fear of man, fear of your reputation, fear of what family might say, what neighbours might say, what your friends might say if you follow this call, if you pursue this mission, if you respond to the get up and go of God. Don't allow fear to be a barrier for you achieving God's mission for your life. Another thing, prejudice. 
Ananias had every reason not to want to be anywhere near this murderer, Saul. Are there people that you do not want to be anywhere near? Do you hold prejudices towards people? Do you have ignorance or fear or inaccurate stereotypes? Do people's reputations go before them and you've written them off? Do you have prejudice towards people's social background? their sexuality, their ethnicity, are these things preventing you from mixing amongst people, being scattered and getting close to people? Are these things, real things, which are preventing you and barriers from you fulfilling God's mission for your life? Please overcome your prejudices because if we hold these you are putting a barrier against who you are going to be scattered to. Apathy. That's probably quite a big one. A big, a big barrier for many people. This might have been one for Ananias. He may have just said, I'm just an average guy. I'm just going to sit low. Yes, I hear you calling me, but I'm sure you're calling other people at the same time, and I'm sure they'll stand up before I stand up. There's probably much more qualified people in the room to meet this guy, Saul, more educated. There's probably a, maybe Philip the evangelist. Maybe he could do it. Maybe one of the apostles would be better. Maybe one of the leaders. Maybe for you, that's, that's the same sort of thing that you're saying. You're ducking down and you're saying, actually, I'm sure there's someone else that could do this. I'll leave this to the leaders. My connect group leader, someone else would be better qualified. There's just a general apathy. through Ananias just responding. He, um, he prayed for this guy, Ananias. Hold on, one moment. And he healed the sick and he prayed for him also and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finally... He uh, baptized this guy, Ananias. So he was obedient and he followed through. He didn't just um, meet with him. He prayed with him. He filled him with the Holy Spirit and he was here and he healed him. Sorry, Ananias, talking about Saul. So yeah, so Ananias followed through and... Um, and through this, Saul was converted and Paul was born. And as we know, Paul is an extremely influential apostle who went on many mission trips across modern-day Turkey, Greece, Italy and Syria. But it's important to remember, actually, that Saul's conversion... I know we talk about Damascus Road conversion, but this wasn't just an instant thing that happened and it was automatic and Saul didn't have any part to play. Saul still had free choice and free will to respond or not to respond to 
the call from God. And we're going to look at Saul now. So in chapter 9, verse 5, it says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So this was the call from the Lord to Saul. And at this time, Saul wasn't a believer. He was far from it. He was the one who was killing Christians. So what would some of the barriers for Saul be? I imagine he had lots of questions. His first question is, who are you, Lord? And that's probably a big question that if you're here and you don't know who the Lord is, you might be just asking, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Jesus? And that's a good question to start with. And we've got places where you can ask questions, which I'll come on to in a minute. He may have also felt, after the Lord called him, that he was just too sinful. He was too sinful. He was too far from God. He was a lost cause. He just moments before approved Stephen's murder. And he was continuing to breathe threats against other disciples. Maybe you're here this morning and you can relate to Saul more than anyone else that I've spoken of. That you don't really know who the Lord is. You don't really like Christians and you're not that keen on God either. Can I just say that's okay? That's okay. Saul was in that place and it's okay for you to be in that place. And many of you probably started in that place. But what I would encourage you to do is like Saul, ask questions. Don't let the questions just be a barrier and say, I've got too many questions. I'm not going to look into it. There's just too many questions. I'm not going to consider this. Why would I have so many questions? It can't be true. Or don't think, well, I'm just too sinful. I'm just not like these people that gather here on a Sunday. They're just not like me. Don't let those be barriers for you to responding to the get up and go from God. I believe God would call each of us, whether we know him or not, to get up and go. There's a call upon each one of our lives here this morning to get up and go. So if you do have questions like Saul had, I suggest you go on, if you're a young person, you go on Youth Alpha. It's a brilliant place. We've got nearly 50 people here in this room asking questions about who Jesus is. That is a brilliant place to start. We also run a course called Christianity Explored. We're rolling this. We're just coming to the end of a course. But I think this week we're going to start another one on Wednesday, maybe lunchtime. If you are interested in being on that course and just explore Christianity, it's just really a forum for you to ask your questions. Please come and see me. And we'd love to see you at lunchtime on Sunday here. We're meeting upstairs, by the way. Some people are here and you're listening to me and in your mind you're thinking, this is all very well, but you do not know my circumstances, my history, my shyness. I do sometimes hear the call of God, but I just feel paralysed. I cannot move. 
Well, actually, there's a couple of characters also in Acts who felt physically paralyzed. And one was even dead. So even if you do have reasons, and good reasons, I think they are not as valid as being dead. Dorcas was dead. And God said through, I think it was Peter. Yeah, Peter said, Tabitha, which is another name for Dorcas. So turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, Dorcas, get up. She had a reason not to get up, didn't she? But she opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. And Aeneas, who was actually paralyzed for eight years and was well known in the city. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. I'd imagine that they may have been prayed before and had disappointment. That wasn't the barrier. They heard the call again. I've mentioned lots of different barriers that might prevent you from moving forward to responding to this call. I just want to... Actually, I want to honour Joe Keesing because I've heard her say this. Um, the risk of embarrassing her, I still want to I just honour her, Okay. <laughs> Now she said, mentioned the other day in a meeting, I'm, she said, I'm quite shy. But she has not allowed her shyness to stop her from being involved and getting up. Over the weekend, her and another lady in the church have come with this initiative to start this um, ladies' group. And uh, she's also helping in the coffee shop on, the, um, on a Saturday and different things. And she also um, helps run a connect group in the middle of the week with her husband, Ben. So, Joe, I commend you and honour you that you don't allow your shyness to prevent you from moving forward. I've just picked out one person. I want everyone here to be mobilized and to move into the freedom that God wants to give each one of you. My heart is that this church isn't led by a few, but every one of us here hears the call for mission. Here's the call to get up and go. It's a unique call for you. It's a general call, but it's a unique call to each one of you, to get up and go. Each one of you has unique gifting. Each one of you will have unique barriers that you need to overcome, that you need to push against that gate and see them open. But don't allow any of the barriers that you may have to prevent you from receiving all the blessing all the fullness that God has for you through your simple obedience to get up and go. As we um, come
conclude, I, I would just I'll probably put some of these questions is it for your midweek groups that you can think through. But this whole idea of gathering and scattering, I want you to consider how much time you spend gathering versus how much time you spend scattering. I want this church to be a church that gathers, but a church that is known for scattering across this town, the next town, the nation and beyond. That's my heart, because if we're not, we're not really fulfilling the call of God upon us as a church. We're only partly fulfilling it. So I want you to consider how we're scattering. Consider how you are scattering. Consider how and where you've been scattered to now. Maybe consider if God wants to scatter you somewhere else for his purposes. He needed to scatter the people in Jerusalem. I suggest that you don't wait for God to scatter you, but you get up and go now. Maybe he wants to scatter you to a new community group, scatter you to some new friends, a new geographic area, or even a different nation. Praise God. I just want this church to develop a culture where individuals are scattered. And as we consider our small groups, I want you to consider how, as a small group, how you can scatter, how you can mix amongst your friends. Think about the friends who don't know Jesus yet. How can you scatter and be amongst them? I think sometimes we expect too much of people coming to us when we gather. My desire is that individually you all scatter amongst your friends and preach and proclaim Jesus to them. It takes the whole church to do this. We've got to reach the nations. I've just scattered my daughter to university. We delivered her on Friday. But I see, I was praying for her the other day. This is her new heavenly assignment. To be scattered amongst the people in Bournemouth. The hurting, the lonely, the confused. And boy, they're confused. I've been seeing some of the, uh, the social media. They are so lost so lost but my daughter is in exactly the right place because she can proclaim Jesus she can bring the truth of the gospel she can bring a hope beyond the grave now as we all maybe totter and have a go at getting up and going let's all encourage one another with our tentative steps I'm sure when the lame were getting up and walking. Some went leaping and dancing, but I'm sure others were very tentative. And when toddlers, when you, many of you got children, and uh, as they start to take those first steps, if that first step they fall to the floor, you don't just throw your hands up and go, oh, well, you're obviously not a walker. 
do you? It's, that's not what happens. You keep going, you keep encouraging, you keep taking steps. I encourage you to keep going, keep getting up, keep going, keep taking tentative steps that we might fulfill the purpose of God in this town as Beacon Church, as his chosen vehicle for this people.